0: Before ZoomInfo, business wins took a lot of time, energy, and patience. Now, ZoomInfo helps you automate, scale up, and reach marketplace domination. Win faster at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market.
1: to the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. It is wonderful to be here with you today on this Thursday episode of the Bruce Exclusive. Although I must admit, if I sound a little odd, if I sound a little sluggish, if I sound a little slow, it is because I just finished consuming an inordinate amount of barbecue. And I feel like I need to take a nap. Barbecue was a bad decision directly before recording this podcast. Mistakes were made, ladies and gentlemen. Mistakes were made. But we power through. We power through. Because I love you. That's really what this is all about. Love is synonymous with sacrifice. How much you love something is directly correlative to what you are willing to give up for it. And... I'm going to give up my comfort to power through because we have important things to talk about. And today, I've been really excited about doing this episode. Ever since I scheduled it out, I thought, you know, this is going to be something that I'm going to enjoy. This is a very Bruce-ish sort of episode. And what we're going to talk about is the concept and the potential predictability of defensive regression in the NFL. So I have oftentimes said that... I'm not really a Bills guy. I'm a football guy who happens to like the Bills, right? That's really what this is. I, I love the sport. The Bills are part of that love, but I didn't grow up in Buffalo and have it be part of my emotional uh, fiber the way that other people did. And so I'm a football fan who happens to like the Bills. And so that's this perspective that you get when you listen to the Bruce exclusive and anytime you hear me anywhere else on the podcast sphere on the radio or wherever it is you might hear me that particular day. And so defensive regression is something that's interesting to me. Specifically, what prompted this idea that we should talk about this is the discussion that is going on right now and will continue to go on for the remainder of this offseason, comparing the 2019 Buffalo Bills to the 2018 Chicago Bears and the 2017 Jacksonville Jaguars. Most notably, you hear these comparisons come from people who are not Josh Allen believers because of the, let's say, step back. Let's be nice. Say the step back that Mitchell Trubisky took from 18 to 19 and the step back that Blake Bortles took from 17 to 18. And the fact that those two teams had upper echelon defenses that then in retrospect say, well, you know, they carried the team because the quarterback clearly wasn't the reason why they were successful. And so I think that there's a lot of people predicting that out of the Bills if they are people who do not believe in Josh Allen. Now, I don't think those two things are related. I, I think that whether or not you believe in Josh Allen or not, you can still isolate whether or not you think The defense is primed for regression. So what I did was I looked at the 2017 Jags and I looked at the 2018 Bears and I tried to come up with some other factors that I think might be at play when talking about whether or not a defense will regress. And so I came up with four questions that I think are important to pose to yourself and to any sort of reasonable research that is done to try to predict whether or not a defense will regress because we've seen this from fantasy football players. (laughs) Fantasy football players have been lulled into the expectations of continuation Multiple times. And in the middle rounds of their fantasy football draft, they will draft the defense that was great last year, and it will not go well. Just so you know, I am a stream-the-defense kind of guy in fantasy football. I will pound the table. This is not a fantasy podcast, but that is what it is. So, just so you know, before we get into these things, this is a companion piece. I wrote an article on buffalorumblings.com. You can go there today. You can look at it. It's called Opinion, Predicting Defensive Regression. It is written by yours truly. And... It is essentially this podcast in written form. So, in the event that you wanted to read through this, see if it stuck differently, go ahead and do it that way. So, the first question that I think is important to frame to a defense when looking at their past year to determine whether or not their next year will be a regression is this Was their adjusted sack rate unsustainable? Now, adjusted sack rate is important to set set the table here a little bit. It's a footballoutsiders.com statistic, and it measures what percentage of pass plays end in a defensive sack or an intentional grounding penalty, which of course has the same negative impact on an offense that a sack has. And it adjusts for down distance and opponent. The NFL average for this statistic typically ranges between 6.0% and 7.5%. One of the things that's interesting is that if you have an adjusted sack rate that is far outside, very significantly outside that boundary, those little bumpers I just set up, 6.0, 7.5, then typically that means one of two things is happening. Number one, you are acquiring pressure at an unsustainable rate. Very rarely are you going to get pressure on 50% of the snaps, something ridiculously high. The second thing that might be happening is that the pressure to sack ratio is off. I mentioned this when I talked about Jordan Phillips and how I did not think that his sack number was sustainable because he got a sack on a staggering percentage of his pressures last year. And that's just not sustainable over time. There is regression to the mean. It's not something that happens. You don't get sacks on it inordinately high amount of your pressures year over year. That does not happen. So in 2017, the Jacksonville Jaguars had a 9.1% adjusted sack rate. This is when they were Saxonville. This level of sack production is basically impossible to sustain. Number one, pressures themselves have variance. And pressure to sack ratio has variance. And it will normalize. So if your defense was successful... And one of the reasons your defense was successful is because your adjusted sack rate was far and above anything that would be considered to be reasonable in the NFL. It will normalize. It will regress to the mean. You're not going to keep up a 9.1 adjusted sack rate forever. That's not going to happen. So when it does, the defense has a chance to regress. The second question that I think is important to ask a defense to figure out whether or not they're primed for regression is, was the defensive success due in large part to turnovers and or defensive touchdowns? Now we look at the 2018 Chicago Bears. They led the league in turnovers forced, 36. They led the league in interceptions, 27. And they led the league in interceptions returned for touchdowns, 5. Scoring five touchdowns on interception returns in a single season is unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen. That is way high. And it's almost impossible to replicate the next year. Turnovers are very, very random. They just are. And we don't want to admit that. We want to say, no, you know, we, we, we practice forcing the ball out and making sure we get the right coverages and, you know, making plays on the ball. We, I, I get that. And being better than average is good. In that area, the bills were 10th last year, but those types of highs are unsustainable. And if you can't sustain that, and that's the reason why your defense was so good, that when that regresses to the mean, you notice we're talking about that a lot. It's this idea that there's an unsustainable level that might spike for a particular defense in a particular year, and you cannot expect that to continue moving forward. That's really what this is all about. These first two points are about there being a spike, a significant outlier that stands alone way past what would even consider to be good in the NFL and that you cannot hold that forever. It will regress. And when that happens which is very likely to happen the next year, given how significant the variance is in adjusted sack rate, in this case, turnovers and defensive touchdowns. When that happens, the defense will take a step backwards. If you look at the inverse side of that, the 2018 San Francisco 49ers, they forced the fewest turnovers of any team in league history. They were bound for some progression to the mean. Instead of regression from the mean and the progression to the mean in addition to their additions of Bosa D Ford. In addition to that, that's one of the things that helped propel them to the Super Bowl. Just not having the forced have not having forced the fewest turnovers in the NFL in this history, just not having that significant of an outlier. Just getting back to normal is okay to have them jump from the second pick in the draft to the second-to-last pick in the draft. We have been through two of the questions. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back, and then we're going to go through the last two questions that you can ask to try and predict whether or not defensive regression will occur, and then we can apply these questions to the Bills. Stick around. I'll be right back. Before Zoom info,
0: business wins took a lot of time, energy, and patience. But today, ZoomInfo aligns your sales and marketing teams, identifies ideal customers faster, and automates your go-to-market strategy. So you can scale up and get on the fast track to marketplace domination. Domination. And that's how winners win. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at zoominfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages. My name is Bruce Nolan. This is the Bruce exclusive, and we are jumping right back into things. We are discussing the four questions you can pose to a defense to attempt to accurately predict within a reasonable degree of certainty whether or not that defense will regress the next year. The first question was, was their adjusted sack rate unsustainable? The second question was, was the defensive production they had due in large part to turnovers and or defensive touchdowns? The third question is, did the team lose significant defensive personnel or coaching? I cannot tell you how many times I listened to a Bears fan say that the Bears wouldn't miss Vic Fangio in 2019. They wouldn't miss him because new defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano would keep the unit at an elite level. Don't get me wrong. The Bears in 2019 had a good defense. They ranked fourth in points allowed and eighth in yards allowed. But the drop-off to 22nd in turnovers forced didn't allow them to carry the team. This is part of the regression. This is part of it. If you lose significant defensive personnel, if they were a significant reason why your defense was successful and they walked, or if you had a coaching change, That matters because we talk about carrying over defense year over year. If the scheme is different, that scheme being different touches every other part of the defense. The scheme being different can contribute to the adjusted sack rate being lower. The scheme being different can contribute to the defensive production that was based on turnovers no longer being a thing anymore. The scheme touches everything. The coaching touches everything. There's a ripple effect from a loss of coaching. There's a ripple effect from a loss of a significant piece of defensive personnel. So that's the third question you have to ask. The last question you should ask is, did the team face a markedly below average slate of quarterbacks during their peak year? So in the 2017 season, the Jacksonville Jaguars face the following quarterbacks. First off, the combo of Tom Savage and rookie Deshaun Watson. This is back when Tom Savage was still Bill O'Brien's guy. Marcus Mariota. Then the combo of Ryan Mallett and Joe Flacco. Josh McCown. Ben Roethlisberger. Jared Goff. Jacoby Brissett. Andy Dalton. Philip Rivers. Deshaun Kaiser. Remember him? Blaine Gabbard, Russell Wilson. Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not a great list, by any means, of any you know when we consider that to be a murderer's row of quarterbacks. There are some good quarterbacks on that list, but it's kind of offset by Jacoby Brissett times two, Deshaun Kaiser, Blaine Gabbert, Josh McCown, Tom Savage, Ryan Mallett. Those are not ideal quarterbacks, and they can allow a defense to feast. The 2018 Jaguars, on the other hand, faced. Eli Manning, Tom Brady, Marcus Mariota, Sam Darnold, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger, Josh Allen, Josh Johnson, Ryan Tannehill. That's a better group. I would argue that just changing from Jacoby Brissett times two, you'll notice that Jacoby Brissett times two because they're divisional opponents, so they play the Colts twice. Just swapping... From Jacoby Brissett times two to Andrew Luck times two, that's enough to swing the list very significantly. I mean, that's one-eighth of your entire games. Went from, uh, you know, eh, quarterback to a, a really good quarterback. That by itself was enough. You also had Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz. Now, you had Josh Johnson and you had Ryan Tannehill and you had Josh Allen when he was a rookie. But it's still not as low of a low as Deshaun Kaiser, Blaine Gabbert, Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Mallett, Josh McCown, Tom Savage. The 2017 Jaguars had an opportunity to beat up on some lesser quarterbacks because Russell Wilson actually played well against them. Now, Ben Roethlisberger didn't play well against them in 2017. That was the famous five interception game from Ben Roethlisberger, but that stuff matters. So to recap, the four questions that you should ask of a defense to determine whether or not they will potentially regress is number one was the adjusted sack rate they had unsustainable. Number two was the defensive production that they had due in large part to turnovers and or defensive touchdowns. Number three, did the team lose significant defensive personnel or significant defensive coaching? And number four, did the team face a markedly below average slate of quarterbacks? during their peak year. Now, how do we outline these things as they relate to the Buffalo Bills? Can we project, can we predict on this show right now whether or not there is a chance of regression? Now, it's important to note, there's always a chance of a regression, ladies and gentlemen. This is a probability calculation. That's what we're doing. We are trying to figure out what is the probability of a significant regression. This is football. Nothing's black and white. Everything's grays. And so we're going to go through these questions and apply them to bills. The first thing, was the adjusted sack rate unsustainable? Buffalo's adjusted sack rate in 2019 was 13th in the league at 7.2%. The average was 7.0%. I don't see a problem there. I don't think that's unsustainable. If anything, it might get better this year. Mario Addison, I think we can argue, is a better pass rusher than Shaq Lawson. I don't think that's crazy. Now, the age might catch up with him, but he's had a much more significant track record of success when it comes to rushing the passer. Number two, was the Bills' defensive production due in large part to turnovers and or defensive touchdowns? The 2019 version of the Bills' defense ranked 10th in the league in turnovers forced. That's not crazy unsustainable. They did not score a defensive touchdown. So, no. There's no concerns that they'll be the 2018 Chicago Bears defense. Number three. Did the team lose significant defensive personnel or significant defensive coaching? Okay, so they saw starters Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson leave in free agency, but they replaced them with Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, and Quentin Jefferson. Now, they lost their defensive line coach, Bill Tierlink, And they replaced him with Eric Washington, who a lot of people think is an upgrade. It is my personal opinion that at worst case, that's a wash, but I would argue that constitutes an overall upgrade. So my answer to that question is no, they did not lose significant defensive personnel or significant coaching in the sense that it would contribute to a significant defensive regression. The fourth question, did the team face a markedly below average slate of quarterbacks last year? Well, let's take a look. In 2019, the Buffalo Bills faced the following quarterbacks Sam Darnold, Eli Manning, Andy Dalton, Tom Brady, Marcus Mariota, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Carson Wentz, Dwayne Haskins, Baker Mayfield, Brandon Allen, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Duck Hodgins. In 2020, the Bills are currently scheduled to face the following quarterbacks. Now, we know full well things can change. They changed a lot for the Bills. We thought we were facing Roethlisberger. We got Duck Hodgins. We thought we were facing Flacco and we got Brandon Allen. We thought that we might be facing Alex Smith or maybe somebody with the Redskins like maybe Colt McCoy, maybe Case Keenan. We didn't know really who the, the Redskins quarterback was going to be. Probably not Alex Smith. He wasn't going to be recovered by then. But things can change. We know that. But in 2020, they're scheduled to face the following quarterbacks. Sam Darnold. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jared Goff, Derek Carr, Ryan Tanhill, Patrick Mahomes, Jared Stidham. I'm operating under the assumption right now that Jared Stidham will be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. That could be Brian Hoyer, but I'm I'm putting that down as a Stidham right now. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Tyrod Taylor, of course, at that time they have a rookie quarterback in the w- wings who might be starting at that point for Tyrod Taylor, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ben Roethlisberger, and Drew Locke. I think the 2020 group of quarterbacks the Bills are going to face is better than the 19 quarterback. I do. So I would say at this point, there is a a clear difference in my opinion between the quarterbacks that the Bills faced in 2019 and the quarterbacks they're going to face in 2020. So I think that that's something to consider. Based on the answers to the questions I just gave, I would say at this point it is unlikely that the Bills will experience regression, at least not to the same level that the 2017 Jags and the 2018 Bears experienced. Because the only spot I see has a potential for regression is in the fact that they're facing a stronger, in my opinion, group of quarterbacks in 2020 than they faced in 2019. But that by itself is not enough to give me concern. I think that there are clear reasons for the 17 Jaguars and the 18 Bears to have had regression. And I think that the comparison between the 17 Jaguars and the 2018 Bears and the 2019 Bills is lazy. That's what I think. So if you hear that take, I just gave you some ammo that you can help to combat that take when you see it on social media, when your friends talk about it. I don't know why your friends would do this. You probably need a better group of friends. If they're out here trying to trash your bills, you don't need that kind of negativity in your life. Get yourself a barbecue from the barbecue place I just got. Power your way through a podcast. You don't need that. You need some pulled pork instead, some mac and cheese, some baked beans. You don't need that nonsense. Because it's lazy. If you look through the causes of, of that regression those causes don't apply to the 2019 Buffalo Bills I'm not saying that it's impossible for the Bills defense to regress a little bit this year that's not what I'm saying I'm saying that drawing that type of parallel is lazy it's just lazy it's because you don't want to do the necessary work to figure out why those defenses regressed and you don't like Josh Allen listen I have never been confused for a guy who's pounding the table for Josh Allen Anyone who has ever listened to me will tell you that I am not of the opinion right now that it's 100% locked that Josh Allen's the guy. I'm willing to wait and see. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to watch. I think he's improved. But the vast majority of the time, those comparisons come from the people who are really comparing Allen, Trubisky, and Bortles. They're not really comparing the defenses. They say that you're comparing the defenses, but they're not. They're really comparing the quarterbacks. So call them out on their nonsense when they say that. And understand that there are reasons why the Chicago Bears were unable to sustain that level of success. There are reasons why the Jaguars were unable to sustain that level of success. In addition, the Bills have already sustained that level of success. This is my final closing argument. I thought last year was going to be the year for regression for the Buffalo Bills defense. What happened there? I would make an argument they were better in 19 than they were in 18. Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott have proven that they can carry over defense reasonably year over year. I'm not saying it's going to be top five every single year, but it can be good enough to help get you to the playoffs. You're going to need a quarterback. You can't survive on that forever. Maybe one shining moment, one glorious year, you can survive on it. And that's what the Jaguars did. And that's what the Bears did. But that's not the Bills. That's not the Bills' mo. That's not what they've proven to do. And none of the things that made those defenses great—the Jaguars and the Bears—are the same things that made the Bills' defenses great, which are prone to regression. It's just lazy. And I, I just don't want to. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up right here. I got off my soapbox. I'm digesting my barbecue. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the Bruce exclusive come back tomorrow because we are going to do the almighty take of the week on the effect that this off season has had on sports and your takes on that. But before I go, there is one more thing I'm going to talk about. And that is next week's almighty take hit me with hashtag almighty take on Twitter. Find me on Twitter at Bruce exclusive tweet at me. Give me a hashtag almighty take, Because what I do is I click on that hashtag and I read through. I click on the hashtag. I sort by latest and I read through them. So if it's not hashtag correctly, I won't find it. And I want to find it. I want to talk to you. So the almighty take for next Friday's episode is going to be football myths. Give me an almighty take on something you think is a football myth. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. I am really, really looking forward to next week. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to wish away tomorrow, but I'm really looking forward to next week's episode. We're going to get into a little bit of a pod series on football myths. So, hit me with a hashtag with a football myth and we will talk about it next week. But tomorrow, come for the almighty takes on the effect that this weird off season is going to have. And that's all I got for you folks because that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rams.
0: needed customers. So customer engagement has always been a thing. You know, steak dinners, golf, in-person handshakes. Not exactly efficient though. But thanks to ZoomInfo, times have changed. Now you can engage with the right customers across all channels and grow your business. Efficiently and effectively all from one platform. Sorry steak dinner guy. We've got work to do. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at zoominfo.com. Zoom info, how business goes to market.